reason to get out of the bed in the morning, no matter what age, is to see what you can learn that day. And view life, I'm 76, but I'm still viewing life out the windshield. I'm not staring in the rearview mirror. Welcome to the Search Podcast, where we have conversations about the big questions of God and life. All right, everybody, you're in for a treat. Today, we've got a recurring guest, Lamar Smith, who has come back to join us. You might remember his story from season four, episode 11, but if you don't, uh, let me give you a, a little bit of info about Lamar. He's an amazing person. Uh, served in Vietnam, was a uh, decorated Air Force Special Forces attack and rescue pilot. He earned six silver stars, or excuse me, two silver stars, six distinguished flying crosses, and 11 air medals for gallantry, heroism, and meritorious achievement in uh, in war. He later went on to serve as the chairman of the board and CEO of First Command, which is a uh, financial planning and services company based here in Fort Worth. And uh, he tells the whole story in the other episode we did, but Lamar, um, just a a pleasure, honor, thrill to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for coming back and joining us. Oh, it's my honor. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, oh, one thing I left out too about your resume: longtime uh, part of Search Ministries and on our national board for a long time, and you served as our chairman of the board as well. So thank you for all the things that you've done to make uh, Search what it is today. A labor of love. Well, it's uh, it's exciting. I uh, I'm really glad to have you back because you were in the office a couple months ago, and we were just talking, you know, standing around. You were sharing some things that had happened recently in your life, and it was just. Uh, amazing, honestly, to hear what's been going on. And I thought we've got to have you back to just share this. So um, everything kind of starts uh, with a major surgery that you had uh, last year. So if you want to take us back and help us uh, understand what's going on. This was major surgery. The definition of minor surgery is surgery on someone else. (laughs) (laughs) So this was on me. I had a quadruple heart bypass they call it cabbage, cardiac artery uh, bypass graft, C-A-B-G. <laughs> um, and I had the the, uh, the four uh, vein part of that. I asked my – I've had high cholesterol, and uh, we thought we were managing that. But um, so I asked my doctor, I said, well, why, why did I have these blockages? And they said, it's, you're 76. It's your turn. <laughs> so uh, – I was fortunate in that I detected some uh, symptoms, mild symptoms, and um, when I was exercising, and I went to the doctor, and I was headed toward a, a really big heart attack. I was very close. What was happening, if you don't uh, mind me asking? Blockages. No, uh, I mean, your symptoms. Like, how did you uh, know something was wrong? There are three classic that I'd read about, uh, jaw pain, left arm pain, and uh, t- tightness in the chest or discomfort in the chest. Yeah. And... Uh, Last, the spring of 22, uh, when I would walk, uh, every now and then I'd have one of those. It just not too, I, I, I just, it didn't really trigger anything. But on a particular weekend, I think it was April, I walked with my wife three times on, on Saturday, twice on uh, twice on Sunday, once on Saturday for over an hour. And Sunday night, I was thinking about that. 
I said, wait a minute, I had the jaw pain and the uh, high chest pressure at the same time, the last, uh, the, the first uh, 10 or 15 minutes of each of those three walks. And I slapped this Sunday night, I was reviewing that, and I said, wait, that's cardio. But as you mentioned, I've, I was in combat. I, I don't panic easily. So I took a deep breath on Sunday night, and my doctor's office opens at 9 o'clock on Monday morning. I didn't call till 9.02, so I did not panic. <laughs> you waited. <laughs> but anyway, that led to some tests, and I wound up um, uh, having uh, the uh, quadruple bypass November of 22. And... Um, uh, to kind of set the uh, stage for uh, when I woke up from the surgery, I want to share that uh, I came to Christ at age 40 in 1987. Um, search uh, played a major role in that. I say search was the bridge that Jesus walked across to get to me, and that's why I've been so committed to the parachurch idea uh, and uh, in search's model. Uh, it's, it, it blesses many. Um, so, uh, I, I came to understand the Trinity, uh, God, the father, Jesus, the son, the savior, and oh yeah, the Holy Spirit, Beaver Cleaver, <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. a, he's a junior member, right? Um, at least that was, I, I realized now that was my operating erroneous assumption. And I, even though I read Paul's, uh, treat us about the thorn in the flesh, and it, God leaves it there for a reason, and that's a broad term. It can be anything. It's a sin pattern, or it's a temptation pattern, at least. And He, God leaves us with a temptation pattern that, that we can't handle so that we will be uh, dependent on Him. And the Him, in this case, is our secret weapon, our, our Holy Spirit that is with us, God within, Emmanuel. And, um, but I, I, I had that information intellectually for all these years, but I didn't have it at an operating level. I didn't know it uh, in my emotion. And so my sin patterns would kick up, and I thought I had to grip my teeth. And, uh, you know, I, I was a fighter pilot. I'm capable. I grip my teeth, and I'll do it right. And I would fail. And the net result is I knew God loved me. Look at, look at all the evidence that he loves me. I knew that in my head, but I didn't have it in my heart at an operating level. Um, and... <laughs> um, so going into surgery, um, you don't hear of people dying on the operating table with that kind of surgery or uh, very often uh, anymore. So, but it, it's, it's a well-known procedure, and uh, the doctor's really good at it. They know what the risks are. And I had the primo uh, two surgeons uh, in the area uh, that scrubbed in and, and did my case. Uh, that was a blessing from God, and there's no other explanation as to how I came to that opportunity. Uh, but I'm a former aviator. Former aviators and aviators planned, plan to a fault. <laughs> and so I was thinking about uh, being on the gurney, going down the hall, going into surgery. What would be my thought? And I borrowed from uh, Paul's, uh, Apostle Paul's comment when the Romans had him locked up late, uh, later, uh, not long before he actually was killed. Um, and uh, they told him, you've got to quit preaching or we're going to kill you. 
And uh, he said, uh, in his language, he said, well, uh, I'm going to keep preaching because that's life and that's Jesus. And, and if you kill me, that's victory. In other words, you can't hurt me. I'm going to win either way. And so I, I thought about that, and I said, well, I'll either die on the operating table or soon thereafter, or I'll wake up still on earth. And uh, either way was okay. I was comfortable with it. I was not nervous. Uh, I prayed for more time on earth. I love my wife, and I've got two grandchildren and a wonderful daughter and son-in-law. Uh, I, I, I want to be here a while yet, and I'm still vital, uh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, no what, 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 like if I can stop for a second, what surprised me when I heard about your surgery was how uh, fit I mean, you are now and have always been since I've known you. I mean, you're. I hope I'm in your shape when I'm in my 70s. I mean, for real, you're, you're always in, uh, in great shape. Well, you're very kind. Uh, I, I came to believe early on, use it or lose it. So exercise and stretching and, um, and paying attention uh, is, um, is, is something that I've worked at. Uh, and so, uh, I, and I've heard that before. Some people's physiology generate, uh, take, a, take a little bit of cholesterol and generate blockages. Other people have high cholesterol, but their physiology doesn't turn it into blockages. But I, I had a 95% occlusion and, and a 90% occlusion, too, in the what's called the Widowmaker, <clears throat> the, the main artery. And then over on the left side of the heart, I had four blockages that ranged from 4 to 80%. So... Uh, I was I was not that far from a big event. And yeah, seventy percent of first heart attacks are fatal. Really, I think mine would have been. Uh, so God was all over this and blessing me. Wow. So, um, so I uh, went into surgery. Uh, it's it's quite a deal. They uh, they prep you for about an hour and they get you laid out. That you're you're asleep, of course, and they. Uh, they, they lock your arms back like, like Jesus on the cross. They strap them down so that you, you're not going to move. And uh, then they uh, open your chest, about a 10-inch incision right down the middle of your breastbone. They saw the breastbone, and uh, they're going to harvest a, a, an artery from right behind the breastbone so they're careful not to go too deep. Oh, wow. I didn't know that's how then that Then they worked. open your rib cage laterally, and then they pull it up. And, it, and they kind of lock that opening in place. Then they hook you up to a heart-lung machine, and it takes your, uh, the, the blood that's going into your heart and diverts it to a machine, and uh, it comes back out of the machine, and they put it into the system that distributes below the heart so that they can then uh, use some, a chemical wash and shut down the heartbeat. Trying to do this delicate surgery on a beating heart would be kind of tough. So how does that, we say, a chemical wash that shuts your heart down? Yeah. No, that's not what the podcast is about, but what does that mean? Like they, uh, like, like they coat it? Um, yeah, well, I, you know, they've got you open, and I, I, I don't know for sure. I just asked, how do you, how do you shut down the heart? And he said, we do a wash. Huh. That's all I know. So I thought, car wash? <laughs> <laughs> so um, then uh, each of the um, bypasses take about an hour. And I had four. So, and, and then when they finish, it takes about an hour to get you uh, back in shape. So, so six or seven hours, I was under the heavy sedation, and um, 
in this particular hospital, uh, they can bring each of the private rooms up to ICU standards. So uh, it's uh, it's about seven o'clock at night. My surgery was midday, and so we get over to about seven o'clock, and um, I start to wake up. Uh, and so I, I, I was I, I didn't know where I was coming out of that deep fog. I uh, started to wake up, and um, I said, uh, oh, I've been asleep. Huh. Yeah, it feels like a pretty good sleep. And I said, I don't know where I am. I guess I'm dreaming. And I, somehow I moved my right arm. I said, no, you don't move your arms when you're dreaming. Oh, yeah, I guess I'm not, I guess I'm not dreaming. Oh, yeah, I was going to have surgery. I guess they called it off. I'm going to have to ask. I, I remember crystal clear this exact thought pattern. I said, I guess they called it off. I'm going to ask to ask them why. And about that time, my chest said, nope, they didn't call it off. <laughs> <laughs> I was not terribly uncomfortable, but I realized, oh, I've had the surgery. And I looked around, and I saw fluorescent lights and Solitex ceiling, and I, I thought literally, I'm still on earth. That's what I prayed for. At that moment, uh, I felt a sensation, pleasurable, warm sensation. I, it's indescribable. Uh, the people who have had near-death experiences and believe they've gone to heaven express how limiting the language is to explain what they're talking about and what they've seen and what they've experienced. And I, I find myself with this little... Uh, episode, uh, it's just so clear. It started at the tip of my head, and it went with a very clear forward wave down my body. I'm guessing it took 15 or 20 seconds, and every part of me felt it, and it went out my toes. I am absolutely convinced that um, God sent me a love note and said, son, I really do love you. Feel it and know it and act on it. Because my uh, missing the point of the power of the Holy Spirit and how to access it and to get help from the Holy Spirit and to have him do for you what you can't do for yourself was something I had missed. And because of that, and because I kept trying to do it with discipline, my own flesh, and failing, uh, I, I didn't know how God could really love me, even though my head said so, my heart did not feel so. And, um, and I believe God sent me the message, I really do love you. And it has made a lot of difference in my life. I see things a lot differently. Uh, I'm in a men's group, and just this past Wednesday morning, we were talking about this very issue. And um, I said, the message that I've received through this process is quit dabbling at Christianity. Go push all your chips to the middle of the table. Uh, Go for it. And uh, I now uh, can call on the Holy Spirit. the Greek word that is uh, referred to in the scriptures is pneuma. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where we get pneumonia. It's where we get uh, pneumatic. Uh, and it's, it references air, breath, or wind. The Holy Spirit is like air. It's available. So when I find myself uh, 
tempted to go to an old sin pattern of being impatient with somebody and emphasizing what I see as their negatives. And it makes me short with them. It makes me not pay attention to them. uh, You know, I don't want to do that. Yet I was tempted to do it because, uh, uh, well, I I think many of us are. (laughs) Uh, I don't have to settle for that anymore. I can take a deep breath and I can say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Help me with this. See the good in this person. Don't don't let me fall into the old trap. So what do you think it was, and maybe you don't know, but what do you think it was that kept you from understanding this relationship with with God, with the Spirit of God prior to your surgery and this experience you just had? My, it's my failing because I look back. The teaching is there. Um, uh, the breakthrough came— Two years ago, uh, I'm in a uh, kind of a search-sponsored um, uh, graybeards group. Old guy's been been around the faith. You got to grow for... your beard back, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's just a, a, a slogan. <laughs> um, and uh, we went through the book, uh, Charles Ryrie's uh, Survey of Bible Doctrine, he released in uh, 1989. There are other—he's written and other uh, authors have written about the— uh, fundamentals of the faith, the basic truth claims, and in this case, the characteristics of God. Chapter 4 was on the Holy Spirit. What I, I, I had read it, and it just hadn't resonated. Um, the, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' Father. It, the this Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, and she delivered uh, Jesus as her baby. The Holy Spirit was the power behind the resurrection. The Holy Spirit was the power that Jesus, the man, relied on for the miracles, the tremendous miracles that prove exactly who he was uh, and is. Um, the, and it, it's all there. And I had just, I, I had not brought it aboard at the operating level in my own uh, heart and, uh, and mind. Uh, but I have it now, and it <laughs> the old pattern is still there. The ruts are there for my flesh to kick in and say, "Okay, you can handle this." It, it's it's my failing, but oh, what a light has turned on for me! There's such relief in it, and God really does love me, which I I didn't love myself, and that's a problem. It almost sounds, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but listening to you talk, it almost sounds to me like there there's an understanding of grace that's been different post this experience as, as well. Almost like, I know you know grace for salvation, yes. but you weren't living in it or recognizing that that's also how God relates to us every every day. All of life is by by grace. Absolutely, uh, you're exactly on on uh, track. Uh, somebody told me I don't know four or five years ago that it'll if you think about every day what you're thankful for, it'll change your life. I can do that in a whole new way now, and I mainly am thankful for the gift that Jesus said I must go away so that you can have something better better than Jesus, at least for here and now on earth as, uh, as living Christians. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is in, he's in our vest pocket. He's with us all day, every day. And all you have to do is ask, and he steps in. And you know what? 
He's better than me. <laughs> so you mentioned putting all your chips into the table, you know, kind of a metaphor of how you want to live life going forward and all in with Jesus and your faith. And can you unpack that a little bit for everybody? Like, what does that mean for you for this next chapter of life? I see relationships differently. Uh, I've wanted, <clears throat> somebody told me some time ago that life was all about knowing God and making him known. Uh, in my work with search, with certain other nonprofit ministries, and in my conversations daily, I'll engage a waiter or a waitress <laughs> and, and try for a little uh, stone, a little pebble on the scale to encourage them. Uh, but I, I just see that in a whole new way. I'm more open and I'm more pray, I'm praying for those kinds of opportunities and that God leads me, the Holy Spirit leads me in the conversation. Don't say too much. Don't say too little. Uh, just try to encourage people. I see every interchange uh, as uh, an opportunity to be positive and, and uplifting to other people. And... This is always a question that I love to ask. Hopefully it's it's okay with you. But um, I almost want to know after this experience you've had with God, but also just um, you've had an amazing life. Uh, not only uh, your, your story with God is amazing, but your professional life, your family. I mean, there's been – you've got a just a great story. And a lot of experiences, and we're sitting here with a guy, uh, Joseph, who's working on learning how to produce and do all the back end stuff on the podcast. But so he's 21, and I'm here. I'm 37. We're we're younger. What would you, what would you tell guys like us who are younger, you know, and getting started? Different seasons. We're in very different seasons, but just things you wish you knew about life with God or life in general when you were in your 20s and 30s? <clears throat> um, I would tell you to be serious about your self-development, and it can take many forms. Uh, Stephen Covey is a great author. Um, he uh, He's um, from a different faith, so I listened carefully and looked carefully at his writings for uh, differences from the Christian faith uh, to uh, seep in. And it wasn't there. His principles are very good, very sound. One of the things he has people do if they follow his teaching, one of his seven habits of highly successful people, his seminal bestseller work, is begin with the end in mind. That's one of the habits of highly successful people. And an exercise that is real clarifying is he has you write your obituary. And so you think about, you begin with the end in mind, you think about, okay, when my life is over, what do I want my legacy to have been? And uh, I would do that <clears throat> and <clears throat> think about what uh, outcomes, this is something I learned in aviation, outcomes are driven by processes. Use your head or use your heart to decide what outcome you want. Set the stake on the horizon, so and then use your head to analyze the path to get there, uh, the the process that will get you to the outcome that you're after. Um, 
I've, uh, I've taught that to, to younger people in, in business uh, when I supervised and so forth. I tried to lead uh, people to do that kind of a process. It's a powerful way to look at how to grow. And it'll, it'll, you'll say, uh, what information do I not have to analyze the right process to get me to the outcome I want? And personal development is uh, lifelong. One of the uh, real joys, one of the things that Covey said is the reason to get out of bed in the morning, no matter what age, is to see what you can learn that day and view life. I'm 76, but I'm still viewing life out the windshield. I'm not staring in the rearview mirror. Um, And uh, I am optimistic, and I think that's helpful. I'm optimistic, and I often say, I think the best is yet to come. Hmm. And if the Holy Spirit is fully aboard and I fully access, I, I absolutely believe that the best is yet to come. So do you, did you feel like in your 20s and 30s you were doing some of those things well? Like as you look back, do you go, yeah, I, I did those things well? <clears throat> uh, some of them, but not nearly to the degree I want to. You've seen the movie Top Gun. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty big for my britches in those days. I've, 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 you, I've had a blessed life. Uh, nobody knows if they can fly airplanes or not until they get in the cockpit, not for sure. And uh, I had no reason. I, I, Vietnam was going, and I didn't want to be sent to Vietnam as a rifleman in the Army. I was going to be drafted, so I joined the Air Force, went the officer route, and went to pilot training. And as it turns out, I could fly airplanes. And... Uh, that uh, that was a, a real uh, effect on my overconfidence. <laughs> I wasn't quite as bad as Maverick, <laughs> but I was as good a pilot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't believe so, you ask me. <laughs> and uh, so, in the twenties and thirties, things were uh, things were cruising along. But I will say, uh, my wife and I were late having children. We were an infertile couple medically. Uh, and uh, by the time we um, had our little girl, I was uh, 39. Uh, I was the president of the company. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, I really wanted to be a good father. Uh, but I also was relying heavily on my uh, wife to fill my cup emotionally. And she was devoting, what I, which I wanted her to, uh, she was devoting more time to our daughter. And so uh, I had a version of a midlife crisis. It didn't. It didn't go all the way to divorce and a red sports car and all that crazy stuff. But, but uh, it was then uh, that I met the guy from Search. That I was open to better thinking, and um, I, I believe that was a coincidence. If you understand that, the definition of coincidence is when God stays anonymous. Uh, and I was ready for it, and uh, I, uh, I I really became a, a, a real believer. Uh, I had all my I had my the big questions of life, which is what such does. Uh, people should not be afraid to ask the big questions of life if they ask in the right place and they keep seeking. They'll be amazed at how good the answers are, how comforting they are. Um, my search guy, when we were having those conversations, he said, you flew combat in Southeast Asia. I said, I did. He said, were you scared at times? I said, yes, beyond belief. 
uh, he said, if somehow you could have known then that here 30 years later you'd be sitting here in good health with a great family, great career, and everything humming in your life, would it have made a difference then? I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> it would have made all the difference. And he paused for a moment. And he said, that's the way you can live this life. I have confidence that I have nothing but better ahead. And, and anybody can have that through Jesus. Yeah, and what you're touching on is something that we love to come back, make it a theme on this podcast, which is the – experiential side of our of our faith especially for people who are checking it out you know cuz a lot of what we do on here is is questions and it's it's academic and heady and you know it's one two three here's your points and here's the reasons and you know this not that and all that kind of which is also fantastic and i love but uh it's easy to get your head and miss your heart if you want to use that kind of language uh but but i think if people are listening, what I would love for them to take away from what you're sharing today is that both are really true. You know, if everything we believe, if everything is is intellectually sound for our faith, then there is a whole bunch that uh, that speaks to how we live now, and it speaks to um, what we even feel and sense, and all kind of intangibles, you know. But it's yeah. but it's what you experience with with God that I just uh, wouldn't want people to to miss. Going back to something you you said, for example, uh, you mentioned going into your surgery and you weren't afraid of dying. You, you said it you, almost a throwaway line a minute ago, but I wanted to ask you about it related to this because a lot of people are going, "Are you serious?" Yeah. Uh- it's interesting, uh, peop- men particularly who have had, uh, and, and a couple of ladies in my life, who have had open heart surgery or open chest surgery where they go on a heart-lung machine. Mm-hmm. There seems to be something about that process that some people, when they go, when, when they open the chest and go on a heart-lung machine and they come out and even though medically they're healing, they go through a psychological valley. They're depressed, they have personality change, uh, relationships change, and so forth. Others just sail right through. And I've uh, analyzed the people that have stepped forward and uh, I've talked to them and so forth. I think the difference is Christianity. Really? The, The people who know that they will die. They've already faced their mortality. They know they will die. And they feel okay about that because heaven's going to be better. They don't have any depression, any problem. Uh, but a person that doesn't have that faith, that confidence, uh, it's hard to miss the fact that you're mortal when you go through that process. You are going to die. And if, and if, if you're not living your life like, uh, like I talked about while I go in combat, if, you, if you're not living your life confident that it's going to be okay, not okay, better, better beyond we can imagine. Jesus said, my, my father's house has many, uh, mansion has many rooms, and I'm preparing a place for you. It's going to be a nice place. <laughs> it really is. Um, the, the experiential uh, part, a while ago you said, you know, we are, we are reflections of God, and our characteristics are um, somewhat reflective of his characteristics. We have intellect and we have emotion. Mm-hmm. Both are important. Mm-hmm. What are their roles? Um, the way I've come to think about it is that the head is the steering wheel of our life and the heart is the engine. 
Uh, and it takes, to, to lead a good life and really a joyous life, it takes both. Uh, the Bible, though, cautions, don't be led around by your heart. How do you find truth? You find it in your head. You analyze. That's where the fact sets are, are set up. One of the fact sets is how your heart feels about something, but it, 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 doesn't, it, it shouldn't override everything else. A car with a great big engine and poor steering is liable to wind up in a bridge abutment. <laughs> but a, uh, a car with great steering but a sewing machine engine isn't going to go very far. Yeah. So it takes both. And uh, I've, I've come to think about it that way, and I try to pay attention to uh, where, where I am. I learned in combat, <clears throat> and I had mentors that said, you're going to be scared. Your heart's going to be racing. You're going to be distracted. Stay in your head. Rely on your training. D- take a, one step at a time that what you've been trained to do, and you'll improve your odds of victory and survival. And um, that has been a, a good life lesson. Well, it's the uh, trust your instruments when you're flying too, right? Because you can get you can feel disoriented, especially in, in the clouds. Yes, and it's it's weird stuff what your body does to you when you can't see. That's right. And pilots often uh, controlled flight into terrain is because they're looking at their instruments and going, they can't be right, can't be right. It feels like I'm doing whatever, and bam, they'll smack into a mountain or the ground or whatever. It's called a graveyard spiral. Yeah, and. Um, the human inner ear has three bones that are hollow. They're curved in shape. They have fluid in them and little cilli, little hairs. And they're set in three different planes. Uh, we are built to move around on Earth, and you can have uh, those, the fluid in those bones, two of them moving. And, and it helps you stay oriented. This is where vertigo comes from. Um, and, but if all three are moving... There's an automatic response. Something's wrong. Let's throw up. <laughs> and it is absolutely uh, true that uh, your body will uh, is not equipped for that uh, bird-like movement uh, because of the, the three bones and the instruments in the cockpit. You, you, if, if you realize you're disoriented, you've got to get on the instruments if you're going to survive. Truth. Yeah. And that— um, for years, I thought a lot about my highest value. What's the lens through which I saw everything? Um, and I'll tell you, early on, it was success. I wanted business success. And, um, and uh, when I had business success, <clears throat> I found myself saying, well, that's fun, but is that all there is? And um, the point is, everybody has a highest value. It may be the, something of the world. I call it the Hollywood list. Fame, fortune, pleasure, uh, influence, uh, reputation, toys, uh, that sort of thing. Everybody has something. They, everybody has a God in their life. And people that are searching for more meaning in life uh, would be well served to uh, realize that and to analyze, okay, well, what, what do I think about most? And, and what am I doing because of that? I've said if I could see somebody's checkbook and their calendar, I could tell you what it is. It's what they spend their time on thinking about and doing, all of us. Uh, and for a long time I said, okay, God's in that. Um, God, for me, I want God to be in that position. I have changed. I want truth to be in that position, and certainly God is truth, so it's not, you know, it's not opposite by any means. 
but I've learned that I, I want to be a seeker of the truth, and I recommend that to every human being. But that's not enough by itself. When you find truth, you have to be, you have to have the uh, intestinal fortitude to act on it, to change because something else is true. And uh, it's, what what you were doing, you have found to change. Ask the big questions of life and seek answers. Uh, and uh, it, it, it changes your life for the better. <laughs> no, it, it for sure does. And uh, just I'm thinking about how this kind of works out for me at times. But everybody, uh, Jesus even talks about this. The Bible talks about this. But everybody questions, even if you believe in Jesus, if you're a Christian, you, you doubt. You can have doubts. It's part of the deal, you know. Uh, people have doubts. And I always come back to uh, the things that I'm – that I don't doubt. Maybe that's a bad way to put it. But I think of things like, okay, uh, I might have this question over here. I don't really get, but you know, did Jesus rise from the dead? Was he who he said he was? Did he? And I kind of, I go, well, yeah. I mean, there's yes. I, so you kind of rebuild the thing in your mind. Usually for me, it's like really quick. You know, that's kind of where I go. I go, oh yeah. So that's my I can anchor everything on that. Um, even when there's other questions that I'm not sure how to answer, you know, what's interesting, I don't know if you've been like this, but for me is the longer I've been a Christian, the more certain I am of the big things. Is the Bible reliable? Yeah, I've done – I mean, there's always more to learn, but I've done a lot of study on that. I, I, know you I, I get uh, Jesus, who he said he was, and the resurrection, same deal. It's like, you know, unless there's new evidence, I, I you know, I'm really as certain as I can be that, that happened. Uh, and, and so – you can kind of, uh, you know, think your way out of it. But um, I say all that to say that's the intellectual side, you know. But I wanted to ask you a question related to the experiential side, which is also somewhere that I personally go when I have questions that I might not be able to answer. And, and particularly, um, I think of answered prayers mm. for me as a – Probably, honestly, if I'm being truthful, maybe the most convincing evidence personally for me are very specific prayers that God has answered that I just go, that is the it, – it's happened over and over and over and over again. It's not like one time. Sure. And mm -hmm. I just – I cannot think of another explanation except that God is real for, for explaining these. And the thing that – puts meat on that bone is that's here and now in your life. Yeah. 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 It's so not, I, you're not reading a book of history of, of uh, what was said in the past and experiences of the past. It's it's in, a, in addition to that, which is all true, it applies to you here and now. Yeah. And I, I've always thought somebody should write a book about that as like an apologetic for the faith. I don't know how you do it, but like, but I do think it really is true. I don't know how you'd prove it because you know these are some things you can't necessarily prove. But I was going to ask you uh, if there's any answered prayers that have been uh, game changers in your life or things that you think through. You're like, I prayed for that and that happened, and I'm still blown away. Uh, yes, <clears throat> daily. The Holy Spirit is available to me, and I'll put up. I'll, I'll realize that I'm headed down the wrong track. The old, uh, the old Lamar trying to gutsball it and uh, do it himself, and I'll say, "Holy Spirit, come upon me and give me relief." And it happens discernibly, uh, you know. And 
Uh, I asked God for more time on earth, and he gave it to me. He gave it to me in a way that he's added meaning to it. He sent me a love note in the process. Uh, and I know that might sound airy-fairy uh, to some people, a little bit too, uh, too artsy that, uh, that this feeling came upon me. But I got to tell you, it was real, and it was not of earth. That it, I'm convinced that God said, Lamar, you're mine, and, uh, and, I, and I'm enough for you. Um, <clears throat> uh, my wife and I, we're in our 70s, and we have some medical issues. And when, when, we, when we pray and we take care of ourselves and go to the doctor and so forth, he answers, he, we're, we're doing fine, even though we've got challenges, which uh, uh, I had an old fellow once say, uh, don't put your faith in your body. All that stuff winds up in your boots. <laughs> <laughs> it's headed south, <laughs> and uh, we're experiencing that to some degree. But, uh, but uh, yeah, we, there's a lot of answered prayer. And the thing is, I'm praying more. And, and so I'm tuned in to when, uh, when, I, when I'm appreciative of something and I express it, I find there's more of it. When I'm concerned about something and I pray about it, I find a window opening uh, and uh, and big and little things. We have people in our life that uh, uh, aren't there yet, and uh, we're praying for them. And very lately, we have seen uh, we have a place in Colorado, and you when you've got a nice place in Colorado and you live in Texas, you have a lot more family and friends than you realized. <laughs> <laughs> and we've had guests and family members come this summer, and uh, we're seeing progress that we've prayed for in their, in their walk uh, in life and their faith journey, their, their faith development. It's, uh, it's amazing to see some of the, in my life, some of the biggest answered prayers are, are similar, are people who, that I've prayed that, you know, they'd get to know God and Jesus and some crazy things happened. Yes, in absolutely. that regard. Yeah, I, I think one of the things we do when we pray is God knows we're paying attention, and He likes to show us, "I'm here. You've asked for this. Here it is." And the Bible tells us, "Knocking the door will open, asking you shall receive." And it's based on the level of our faith, as, as somewhat, at least it's uh, uh, it, it's true. At the uh, the New Testament, and Jesus uh, did many things for people who. Uh, had uh, had less information, but had more faith. He really liked to bless those people. If if they had a lot of faith, uh, he uh, he 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 enjoyed coming through. He did, he did. And I think the message here today is uh, that's true for anybody listening. This is you know your stories, the things you've shared. Uh, it's not just for Lamar. Yes. Uh, this is how God is with everybody, and it's uh, He's available. These things are available to. You, if you're listening. So, years ago, um, a fellow, I'd, I'd moved to Fort Worth and I didn't have a barber. And I was looking around, and uh, this uh, friend of mine uh, said, I, I mentioned that I was looking for a barber. He said, uh, Well, I've got a, I got a barber that uh, I really like, and he's right here uh, next to the office. And uh, I said, Well, okay. And uh, I saw him again later, and he said, I talked to my barber about you. And uh, and I told him that you didn't seem all that interested in coming in. And he said, tell your friend that go ahead and walk around looking that way if he wants to. 
And what I mean by that is you don't have to live your life hoping and wondering if everything's going to be okay. We are, we are born not saved. We are not born heaven-bound. We have to make a conscious decision to accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers. The standard in heaven is perfection. We cannot be—a holy and perfect God cannot have sin in his presence. We wouldn't want him to. He was, he's not real if he allows that. But we can't cleanse ourselves of sin. That's Jesus' role. And look at the price he paid. Look at the love behind that. And man can't make that up. The Bible is at once simple enough that a five- or six-year-old can come to a saving faith and claim Jesus as Savior, and it's real. It's simple enough for that. Let the little children come unto me, he said. And at the same time, it's complex and rich enough and interwoven enough, written over 1,500 years by many different authors in three different languages. If it weren't the Word of God and inspired, it would be a mess. It is a beautiful work of literature. It proves itself, and it proves itself if you continue to read it. Life is a river. You can read a passage today and read the same passage two years from now, and you get more understanding and more meaning because it, it's inspired. It's the, it's the uh, service manual for uh, human life, and uh, it proves itself. Uh, and if somebody would really take a look with a little bit of an open mind with that thought, it'll prove. It's been doing it for 2,000 years. And the other big questions, what about miracles? Uh, there was a season of miracles, particularly in the Old Testament, and then Jesus uh, did a lot of miracles. Um, and we can read and see, but th- there are miracles today if we're, if we're open to them. But uh, we have the Bible that reports those, so we don't, we don't have as many miracles that are as, as dramatic uh, today, but people will, will do that. They, well, uh, Christianity is mighty narrow. What about these other faiths? These are the questions that keep coming up. Um, Some things are narrow. Uh, I'm going to fly to another uh, city tomorrow, and the runway is 150 feet wide and probably 9,000 feet long. I want him to land on the runway going in the right direction at the right speed. Some truths are narrow. And uh, just open yourself up and seek the truth. And the truth is easy, easy to find when you do that. Well, Lamar, I could keep talking to you for a long time, but we got to wrap it up. And uh, I guess we got to go to lunch. The important things in life. But absolutely, uh, uh, thank you very much for being my guest on the podcast, and particularly just thank you for being open and honest and kind of sharing your story and what you've been through. Uh, it's been amazing to to listen, and I, I appreciate it very much. I appreciate being here very much, Pauline. And I want to thank everybody for listening to the Search Podcast. If you enjoyed this, if you like uh, what we do here, please give us a rating or a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thanks for listening. 